Welcome back to The Aggressive Life. Last week, we started a conversation with my friend, John Burke. And, man, it's the first time we're going to go back to back just because what he had to say was so, so good. I want to dig in more. What were we talking about last week? We are talking about heaven. If you want to go back and read that or listen to that, you can do that. If you don't want to listen to it, you can pick it up right here. John is an expert on near-death experiences and has studied heaven and people who say they've had a glimpse of the edge of heaven more than anybody alive. At least that's what I think. And I got to tell you, I just got to admit here as we go as we go into this, there was a time and day when I wouldn't have viewed this as an aggressive topic. Uh, there's people I know who are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. They're so into the ethereal and the spiritual that they don't do anything aggressive in the real world. And that's bothered me. I think my pendulum has overcorrected. I think I've overcorrected so much that I don't think as much about heaven as I should. It's a big deal. You're going to be there for a long, long, long time, and it's awesome and amazing. And if you understand it properly, I think you and I are going to have better lives in the here and now. We're going to live aggressively to get to that place and have an amazing existence in that place. So I put out a APB of, hey, what questions do you have? What questions do you have? And we got a bunch of them here, and I got John back. Big John Burke, how you doing back at the Aggressive Life? Good, man. John, are you ready for our listeners' questions on heaven? And are you ready for me chipping in if I want to from time to time? Yeah, you want to do you want to do a little like, what the heck are we talking about this for, for people who d- didn't catch last one? Yeah, we'll give you a recap on why we're talking about this. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, last week we talked about... Um, how I have, I've studied over a thousand near death experiences. I accidentally came upon this when my dad was dying. I was an agnostic and, um, and I read the first research on it. And as a, I was an engineer, it, it made me realize, oh my gosh, this is evidence that there really is a God, first of all, and life after death. I later came to Christ. And so for the last about 30 years, I've been studying them. I'm not the only one, though. And uh, in Imagine Heaven, I write about skeptical doctors in the afterlife and how many um, skeptical cardiologists, oncologists uh, came to believe there really is life after death because of what their patients, when they would resuscitate them, would tell them over and over again. And like we talked about last week, things that could be checked out. So things that were happening during the resuscitation, they couldn't have otherwise seen unless, in fact, they truly were a soul out of their body observing what was happening in the room. And then we talked about the commonalities of what these people report all around the world. And in Imagine Heaven, I'm showing how this is exactly what God's been revealing for thousands of years in the Bible. That's good stuff. So as we talk about these questions, John, I'm sure these are going to be answered partially based on your research, partially based on your understanding of Scripture, correct? Yep. All right. So are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. This is, I don't know, probably no surprise here, but this was, I might have been, Dirt, this might have been the most asked question here, wasn't it? This was definitely the most asked question. Okay. Yeah. That, that says something about us, but here it is. Will my pets be in heaven? This by far is asked most. <laughs> I know. Will my pets be in heaven? Yeah, isn't that interesting? That is the most asked question. And um, and yeah, I actually write about that in, in Imagine Heaven near the end. But uh, yes. And for instance, um, in my research on, wow. this, on this new book. Wow, you answered that strong. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Well, okay, so first of all, let me say this. So- Indie ears say that, near-death experiencers say that, especially children, which, which is interesting because, because, but it makes sense because children who clinically die, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily have people they know who have already died, but they often do have pets and they do report seeing their pets, but, but it's not just children. Well, let me, let me back up and I'll tell you about Karina, who I just interviewed. So, um, in the Bible, you know, this shouldn't shock us. One, first of all, God created all, all animals. And we already know that he's created angels of different types, which are just, they're creatures as well, created like us. But we also know in heaven, there are horses. Jesus is riding on one. There are lions. There are lambs. There, I mean, the Bible talks about all of that, right? So why would God take something that he's given? And I think especially, I think he gives us pets 
In fact, I, I, I know an, uh, a near-death experience or who Jesus said this to her that, yeah, I give you pets to teach you to love. It's, it's another way to teach you about unconditional love. And so, especially for kids, why would he, why would he take that away from us? And that is, in fact, what people say. So I just interviewed this woman, Karina, who was from Colombia. And, um, man, she had a rough, rough life, uh, and had, had done a lot of horrible things and, and really was scared of dying. And yet, and as she was dying, she initially was having a hellish experience, or it felt like that, dropping in outer darkness. She starts praying the Our Father, which she, she learned growing up Catholic, and but then out of her heart, just saying, Jesus, save me. And, and she is turned and brought up into the into this light of God and she knew it was him and he was speaking to her and, and others were welcoming her in saying, come, welcome, come. And she felt this unbelievable amount of love and like, this is just, just incredible acceptance. But she also didn't feel worthy, which was very interesting. Sometimes a commonality. She didn't feel worthy. Like, she felt like, no, I, I deserve that. And God was saying to her, no, you are worthy. And, and she had this resistance in her. And he said, look, and she was kind of resistant. And he said, look, and she turns to her right. And there is Max, her dog, who had just died right before she had, um, this, this heart failure. And, and so seeing her dog was like, then she relaxed and she, she went in and, and many experienced many more things. But anyway, yes. So you do. Hmm. Are people seeing pets that previously died or are people yes. seeing pets that they have right now that are alive? No, no. All the people see those who have already died. Fascinating. All right. So let me, let's push on this. Let me push on this a little bit. Part of me loves this because I love my dog, Peanut. So I love that Peanut's going to be there. But I've had other dogs that I could care less they were in heaven. I mean, one, <laughs> I'm serious, I'm I, can make, I, I can make a cat joke, but I won't. Uh, oh, I'm serious, man. Like my last dog, Winston, before Peanut, nice enough dog. But man, anytime there was rain, he pooped all over the house. I got stains I can't get up. I've been I've been damning him to hell for a long time whenever I see his, see his stuff. So, so a part of me like Part of me doesn't like it, but then I think, hey, just think about this theologically. Sorry, I'm going to go down the theological um, rabbit yeah, hole yeah, here. Yeah. This this is generally not where we go on the aggressive life, but I'm going to aggressively do that. And if you're not a person of faith, and you just get to see how people like me and John think. Uh, Jesus dies on the cross. I, I get to heaven because Jesus dies on the cross for me. Are you saying that Jesus dies on the cross for peanut? Well, think about what he's restoring. All things. Right? Isn't that what it says? Yeah. I'm making everything new. That's that's what he says in Revelation 21. Behold, I'm making everything new. So everything has been tainted. I mean, in, in Romans chapter eight, Paul says the whole creation is groaning, like like in the pain of childbirth, waiting to be delivered when when the children of God are revealed. Right. So so what that means is that. Everything, like we talked about, I, I believe all that we experience here, all the good things we experience here are, are a marred version of God's creation. This is all broken and messed up. And what we're going to experience there is all the great things we love here times a thousand, according to those who have, have gotten a peak. Great. I'm going to come back to what you just said right there in a little bit, but let's, let's, uh, let's go keep taking off some of these questions. Um, I think you already answered this one. Uh, people have asked, do we recognize other people in heaven? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're, you, you, you recognize them. Now here's an interesting thing is that I think people can present themselves differently. They will see their, their loved ones, but like a grandmother will look more like 27 or 29, not like when she was 90 and died. But sometimes they present themselves as they were when they died, and yet the person 
also realizes, but they're full of life. They're not like, like old and dead. So my theory is that we can actually present ourselves different ways, but that it seems to be that everybody looks about like they're 29. Well, you just ticked off the next question. That's good, John. Uh, How about this one? Will I still be married in heaven? I have my other relationships, kids, family, friends. Will I even care if I'm in the presence of God? Yeah, this is a tricky one. Um, A lot of people have, you know, Jesus said something to the Pharisees uh, when they tried to trap him, when they tried to trick him. And um, basically they gave him the, hey, this guy married, this woman marries and then her husband dies and she marries again and that one dies and then another one and another one. And so who's she going to be married to in heaven? And Jesus says, you don't understand God or the scriptures and uh, the power of God or the scriptures. And, and he says, they will be, they won't, they won't marry. They will be like the angels. Okay. Which people have thought, well, we won't be married in heaven. Like we won't have that, those close intimate marital relationships in heaven. I actually don't think that's true. Um, now that's, this is, this is my theory, but here's why. Um, one, people who have these near death experiences do reunite with their loved ones and it is intimate. Now I don't know about sexual intimacy. I have no idea, but it is, is just as intimate. In fact, it's more intimate. Like, Hugs are more oneness than you've ever imagined. Our, our connection with God and with each other is a oneness and an intimacy and even an ecstasy. People use those kinds of words like you've never experienced on earth. So it's not less, it's more, which of course that, that then brings people to the question of, well, what if I've been married multiple times? And what if, you know, all my exes live in Texas and I don't want to move there. So I don't want to be in heaven with them. Right. Right, right. You know, and, and, and I don't know the answer to that, except I do think, um, I do. You do. I do. Okay. Go ahead. What's your answer? answer. Well, I'll tell you mine. Then you can tell me yours. Um, is I think the things that caused our divisions and our separations, um, they, they are different there. They're, they reconcile. In, when, we, when we are in God's presence, what, what you realize is that what is missing in this life is the love of God that heals everything. And, 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 and all the other things. I mean, even the most horrendous things people have gone through, in God's presence, they go like, I don't know if I could even characterize them as bad. It's, it's kind of like, it's like Mother Teresa used to say, you know, compared to what's to come in heaven, you know, the most horrific suffering on earth will feel like one night's stay in a bad motel. And that actually is what indie ears say. And so even the, you know, the, the, the strife and the stuff that, um, that keeps us apart here, I think, I think it'll be healed. Um, we'll understand each other. The communication in heaven, by the way, uh, many talk about it as telepathic because we, hmm. it's not like voice like this. It's, it's thought to thought, but it's actually more than that. It's actually complete thoughts, feelings, and, and everything connected to it. And so it's pure. So there's no misunderstanding, none at all. And so you can imagine how things change when you fully understand another person rather than all the, all the miscommunications we have here. Great call. Well, I think it was important to remind us what you said last time is that the near-death experiences are, how did you put it, in the in-between space. That's where people yeah. have the near-death, not not fully, fully in heaven. It's the in-between space, just on just on the verge of it. Um, they're gl- so I they're think getting that a glimpse. Some, yeah, they're getting a yes, glimpse. Yes, yes. But they have not crossed over into eternity. Correct. And, and so even in that, you know, they talk about there's a border or a boundary. They knew they couldn't cross and That's still come I mean, back. Right. Yeah. So my, my take on that is what, what, what people are seeing and experiencing there in borderland isn't necessarily what's on the other side of the pearly gates. And when I say pearly gates, John talked about this. It's fascinating. I don't want to just recap everything before, but pearly gates isn't this cheesy, weird image uh, like we think. It's something deeper than that. You should listen to the previous episode if you haven't. Anyway, my, my, my opinion 
and I think this lines up with the scriptures, is that what ma- I know this lines up with the scriptures right here. Marriage is a man and a woman who are together and they are one, and it mimics the relationship that God has with us. Exactly. And so I'm not supposed to have an adulterous affair because God doesn't cheat on me. And if my spouse has an adulterous affair, I could get out of it, but God doesn't get out of my relationship with him just because I screw around on him and do things I shouldn't do. There, there's so many parallels there. Yeah. And I, I think marriage on this earth is meant to be that way. I'm wondering if in heaven, we're not basically married to everybody. This marriage is a thing for here on this earth because we just can't be that with everybody, but we all should be able to be that way with somebody. So I'm wondering if on the other side of the pearly gates, you might've had three marriages and maybe everybody got to heaven and you're all completely one, just like you're one with me, even though I've never met you, but maybe the first time I meet you is in heaven. We don't need the image of marriage as this ultimate place of intimacy because we have full intimacy with all of us under the feet of Jesus. Well, and I agree with you. I agree with you with a couple of caveats. So right. one, when people hear that, they think, because I know my, my wife always felt this way. She was like, yeah, but I'm just not that excited about it. I'm like, what do you mean you're not that excited? I mean, you know, and, and then she got to know more and more of these people. It really changed her mind. But her whole thing was, well, we're not going to be as close because we're going to be equally close with everybody. And that's not true. Our histories on earth, our families, God put us in our families and our histories and the people he's put us around are important to us for a reason. That doesn't change. And, but, but I do think all of our relationships go deeper in our relationship with God. And if you think about it, so, so this is, this might weird you out a little bit, but this is what I'm writing about in Imagine God, this, this book I'm right, working on because of how many people talked about the intimacy they felt with God and they were using words like he was in me and I was in him and it was like ecstasy like and I would and I pushed some of them men and women I was like what do you mean like compare it to something on earth they're like there's nothing you can compare it to nothing nothing (laughs) like not the highest high of drugs, not the most sexual thrilling thing, nothing compares. So it's beyond, beyond orgasmic. Beyond. You know, in the Bible, the Bible is a love story from the beginning to the end. It's God's love for each one of us who he intimately knows. And he uses every relational metaphor for the way he feels about you. Father to a child, friend to a friend, brother Jesus is like a brother, a lover. And the whole story ends with a wedding. So there is marriage in heaven. We together are somehow married to God. Think about the the wedding feast of the Lamb of God, who's Jesus. That sounds weird and bizarre, but here's again, like we were talking about last week, I think everything we experience on this earth is like, it's just a like a little taste before right. the feast of heaven. And all of it, everything, everything you taste that you love, it's like, it's just a little taste. But there's a whole feast coming. Well, Kathy, your wife, she said, I don't know that I would like that. Well, she wouldn't, when she was talking about intimacy with others, well, she wouldn't like that with her current relational, emotional capacities. Right. She wouldn't like that because she couldn't keep up with that. But you're going to have capacities beyond that. I used to get into trouble when I talked about these people at seminary, and I, I, I wish I would have understood these near-death experiences um, because people just thought I was really out there, which is wacky, and it does sound wacky. So when I say this, please don't judge me too, too harshly. I just said, hey, there's no marriage in heaven, but what if, what if we're all married and we're all having sex with each other? That kind of intimacy. I like how you took it to the next level. That's even sex is not the ultimate thing, but there's a higher level of intimacy, oneness, and ecstasy with one another. Heaven is the fullness of all things that are great. And maybe the maybe if that's true, maybe the Bible cannot ever spell that out because it would encourage wackos here on this earth to, you know, to just have 
orgies and to abuse people more as cult leaders. I don't, I don't know, but I think there's something going on. Yes, absolutely. And, and, and here's the thing is that we, to go down the rabbit hole, we have stripped sex into a purely <laughs> physical <laughs> act. He said whole. <laughs> we've, we've stripped. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we can't go do ahead, this on the air. Strip. Don't, We're talking don't. about stripping. Go <laughs> yeah. here. We, we have stri- you're talking about stripping. Go yeah. ahead. What yeah. we about stri- we've, stripping? We've stripped sex into just a physical act when it's meant to be so much more than that. Yes. Right. And, 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 and here's the thing. Uh, so let me tell you. So I was interviewing this lawyer in Australia. Okay. And uh, for this new book. And he's telling me about, he is going into the, so all the same commonalities we talked about last week. And he's going into this light brighter than the sun that he knows, he knows this is Jesus. He just intuitively knows. And he knows this is God. And he is, he's, he's going there and he sees just a silhouette kind of like with arms. But like I said, brighter than the sun, but you can look. And then as he's, as he's moving toward it, he feels himself start to f- fill up with this love and joy and ecstasy. He said that kept increasing and increasing. And he said, that, and he's the one who, who I kind of pushed on it. And I was like, what is it compared to on earth? Like, you can't compare it to anything or, you know, better than your, your greatest experience on earth. And he said, I felt like I was going to burst, like I was going to explode from all this. And I said that in my thoughts and then it started to subside. And he said, he, he realized that, that God had heard his thoughts and he said, no, don't stop. And he hears laughter like a, like a kind of a chuckling, like Jesus was chuckling and then it starts to increase again, but just not as, as fast. Hmm. Isn't that wild? Oh, that is wild. That's crazy. But it makes, it makes total sense at the same time. It's like when you start to realize that all God created us, right? Yeah. So why are we so enamored with love? Why do we long for intimacy? Why do we want yes. bonding and oneness with yes. another? Because yep. he created us for that. But nothing on earth will fully satisfy because we were ultimately made for God. But when we're with God, you're absolutely right. It doesn't, it doesn't lessen our intimacy with one another, our histories with one another, our humor with one another, our memories with one, none of that. Like I said, I still have to put up with your bad jokes in heaven. It's just going to be. Well, so one I don't know thing I'm going to jokes... ask God to work well, on, you know, <laughs> you may have to put up with my bad jokes, but I don't know if the jokes I've hit in this podcast are going to be allowed in heaven. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm not sure. We'll we'll see on that. We'll have to. So so well, that you know uh, you know Brian though that that is yes. another interesting thing is that you know sometimes Christians so um, take the personality away from, from God. God, he is not bothered by all our petty stuff. He's interestingly bothered by the little ways we treat each other that are harmful. Yeah. But you know, our, you know, our jokes or our stuff, he, he, he actually, I'm writing a chapter right now on the joy and laughter of God, because believe it or not, he has one of the best sense of humors you can imagine. And that's what people say in his presence. I've never laughed so hard. Oh, is that right? That comes in the NDEs. A ton. And that's, that's the wow. last, that's going to be the last chapter in my new book. Wow. But that's what Jesus said. You know, in John 15, he said, remain in my love as I have remained in the father's love. You'll do that if you obey me, if you follow what I say. And I tell you this so that my joy will be in you and your joy will overflow. Love that. That's great. All right. We've got a couple here of these questions that are kind of in the same vein. Is heaven a physical place or just a spiritual existence? How do NDEs fit into the biblical idea of a new heaven and earth from Revelation? Heaven is for eternity. What are we going to do the whole time? All right. Let's stop there. Those are great. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I know they are. They're all in the same vein. Yeah, let's go. yeah, yeah. That's perfect. Okay, so there's several assumptions that cause us to actually have an upside down view. So, and, and the assumption that 
that begins that's wrong is that this physicality is more real and tangible than something that's spiritual. That's actually a backwards, upside-down view. So I, I use the analogy um, of imagine this three-dimensional time-bound. So we live in four dimensions, according to Einstein, right? Three dimensions of space, you know, width, breadth, and depth. And then time is the fourth dimension. And that makes up the fabric of space-time, right? So imagine this four-dimensional experience that you're experiencing is actually being lived on a flat black and white painting on the wall of your house. Death means separation. When you die, you come out off that two-dimensional plane. Suddenly, you're into a three-dimensional experience that this three-dimensional world was all around you. Your two-dimensional flat painting was inside a bigger three-dimensional world, right? You experience all these dimensions and colors, and then you have to go back and try to explain it. That's what indie ears are doing. Now, what that means is the two-dimensional flat painting is less real than the bigger experience that it's contained within. And that's true of heaven. Heaven is all around us, beyond us, because we are limited by our three dimensions of space. By the way, this is scientific. You know, Einstein's theory of relativity and quantum mechanics are, are, are two mathematical models of reality on the macro and the micro. And they both work perfectly, but they don't work together. And, and it's, it's bothered scientists since Einstein's day. And they've been looking for what's called a unified field theory. Well, um, these two, two scientists, uh, Kaluza and Kalam, uh, came up with this model that if there are five dimensions, if the, if there are dimensions beyond our four dimensions of space time, it actually bring, it actually brings those two together and makes sense. So they basically proved, have proven there are dimensions that we can't see. So if science is accepting that, they, they, they seem like contradictions, but they're paradoxes. They're paradoxes. When someone dies clinically and they experience a taste of heaven and of the life to come, they come back and they say, it was more real than this life ever was. And that is consistent across the boards. No doubt about it. And, and, they, and we don't have just five senses there. We have more like 50 senses and blended senses, which is weird. You can hear what you see and, 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 and taste what you hear. So it's an experience way more rounded out than anything we've ever had. And, and they say way more concrete. Now, the Bible tells us Jesus teaches and indie ears confirm and I, and I talk about it in Imagine Heaven, that you're busy in heaven. There is, there is paradise, and then there's the city of God. And there are probably other cities as well. Okay, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure there are. And, and paradise is like, it's not unlike earth. It, it looks very much like earth. Um, mountains and trees and valleys and plants and flowers, and but, but beauty like we have times a thousand is what they say. So it is everything concrete that we have. There's work in heaven. Jesus said that. The difference is, have you ever, have you ever been doing a project when you just are in the zone? It's like, it's not work. You're lost. It's like time stands still and you're like, oh my gosh, where did the time go? I wish I had more time. All right. That's what work is in heaven. It's, it's what you were created to do, and in, and you do it because it's what God created you to do, and it's so fulfilling. Now, here's the other thing. Time is not an enemy there. So time is an enemy yeah. here. Time yeah. works in one dimension, in one direction, and you can't go back, right, once you, once you leave a moment. But time there is experienced at least yeah. in two dimensions, if not more. So at every moment of our time, you have endless time for that moment, and this is what the Bible says to the Lord, a year is like a, 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 a day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. It's exactly what indie ears say as well. They say things like, well, their time didn't exist. Or then others will say, well, no, there was time. 
but there was all the time you ever needed. So nothing was rushed, nothing was hurried. And they'll, and they'll be over there. And like I said, there's a life review. So they'll re-experience their whole lives in this three-dimensional panoramic, you know, re-experience. But they were only gone maybe five minutes on this earth. So let me give you my little take of what I... Did I answer all those? So, th- so that, uh, was, that was... Sort of. What you said was great. Let me do this. Let me, let, let me give my answers to these. And sure. then you react to that because I'm not pulling in... NDE research at all. And you might even disagree with my understanding of the scriptures, which is great. We're, we're friends and, you know, the aggressive life doesn't mean everyone thinks the same. So, uh, my, but here, here, here's my take. Somebody else, somebody else asks, uh, Bible mentions different places, Sheol, Hades, Gehenna. What's the difference? Sheol is in the old Hebrew understanding in the Bible, just what the ancient Jews believed was happened when you die. It wasn't a fully, fully understood place uh, of eternity. They were just saying the place where you die. Hades, Hades, I believe, is the spiritual place of torment where, where you go. Gehenna is a physical place. Jesus would look out at Gehenna. It was known, what we know as hell, and it was, a, it was the endless dumping ground of where there was fires that were burning in a valley right outside Jerusalem where I've been. That valley is still there. It would just go up on and on and on and on and on and on and on. The idea there is that Gehenna or hell is a physical place and the resurrection is resurrected to a physical heaven. John just talked, you just talked about work. Like, why do we think I'm gonna go to heaven and not work? What, we were working on the earth before any sin happened. Adam and Eve were planted here on the earth. We say, this earth is not our home. I'm like, it is our home. God created it for us. And what, he, he just abandons it? No, it is our home. We think that the, the physical is not good. It's platonic philosophy. The physical is evil. Physical is dirty. That's why the ancient Catholics, many still today, Catholic Protestants, they, they dismiss our flesh. We beat our flesh because physical matter is bad. We need to get the higher level of the spiritual. That's, a, that's Plato's thought, not the, not the Bible's thought. So what's all this mean? It means that when Jesus goes and he resurrects, he comes back from the dead, he's modeling for us what's going to happen for all of us. 1 Corinthians 15, 2 to 3 makes it very, very clear that if if he doesn't come back with a physical resurrection, we're all without hope and we're all just lost, 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 because we will be physically resurrected. And if heaven is only a spiritual place, then what, what happened? We're physically resurrected for what? This is the core teaching of Jesus and all through the North Testament. Ultimately, we go to a place where all of what I think you're talking about is happening and more, and it's physical. It's physical. And it's actually, at least a part of it is on this earth. Maybe God adds on the earth because it's not big enough, or maybe there's other dimensions on the earth that we don't understand, but that's ultimately where we're going towards. And I think the NDEs that you're talking about is that paradise, that in-between place before the consummation of all things. Agree, disagree, add on, detract. What do you say, John? Yeah. I mean, almost all of it I agree with. I would say this though, that these bodies are version 1.0. Okay. When we die, we get an upgrade. We, we get spiritual body 2.0. Okay. Yes. Th- this is what Paul experienced when he said, when he had, when he was stoned to death in Lystra and he had a near death experience, I believe. And he talks about it in second Corinthians 12. He says, I was taken up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body. I don't know. Still had a body. Right. And he talks about that, that our bodies are buried in weakness. They're raised in dunamis and power and strength. Mm. They're raised a, a natural body. They're buried a natural body. They're raised a spiritual body. But what I'm talking about, you're, you're right, is actually what theologians call the intermediate heaven. Hmm. Okay, so it's it, it's intermediate in the sense that it's, that doesn't mean it's less real. Right. That's an important thing. It's or less awesome or less awesome. It's more real in, in the way you're thinking about real. It's more fun. It's more, you know, goodness and things that you enjoy, play, enjoyment, all that. But it is not yet what is ultimately going to happen, which is the renewal of all creation. So, so like that guy asked or, or woman asked, um, in Revelation 21, it says he's making all things new and he's joint, he's making a new heaven and earth. 
And Jesus is the 3.0 version of the body reconstituted and an earth's body joined with this intermediate spiritual body. And that's ultimately where we're going to be. And Brian's right. Right now, there's a separation between earth, you know, our, our finite existence on earth and our heavenly existence. So there's, there's not a crossing in between, but then it's going to be one. Hmm. Now, what does that mean? I, I don't know. Cause like Brian said, uh, it's going to have to be remade to fit everyone from all history. So I don't think it means it's just going to be, you know, uh, like, like necessarily we picture it right now. Uh, but I don't know, you know, I, I don't know, but, but it does say heaven and earth are going to be one, meaning there's not going to be this separation. You know, look, we're, we're in a temporary testing. You know, we, we experience in heaven, there is nothing evil, nothing. Earth, we are temporarily in the knowledge of both good. So, so God hasn't completely removed himself. He's still here and his good gifts are here. His, and his spirit is, is still guiding and laws keep us from just going all out evil. But there is also evil. And we experience it. And we, and we experience when it starts to run away, right? When this life is over, they separate. And so like Brian said, yeah. So Gehenna was a, was a term that I think Jesus used to make it very clear. It's the eternal trash dump of the, you know, of, of, of existence. It's like if you, if you reject God, you know, there's only one place that God stays out. He created hell. He said, not for humans, not for people. He created it for fallen angels. They're eternal creatures. And he gave them what they wanted. So when, when some of them rebelled against God and said, I, we don't want you. We don't want your, your leadership. I want to, I want to rule. Well, there's only one, there, there was no place where he didn't rule. He created a place where he would say, okay, you can have your way. And so that is the place where, where egos and wills fight to either dominate or be dominated. So, and when someone doesn't go to heaven, it sounds simplistic, but it's it's not because they chose it. Um, it's because, excuse me, when someone doesn't want to go to heaven, it's not like God chooses you can't go to heaven. It's you chose that you don't want God. You chose that you want yourself. You've that's what you've chosen your whole life. So God's just saying, okay, you can have you can have what you want forever. And who's to say that somebody who doesn't want God here would want God in heaven? We certainly would rather have pearly gates than flames, but you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta make you stop saying pearly gates because it even makes me think, oh gosh, I well, don't want to go there. I'm, well, I'm quoting you and what I you know. said. That's why I said you have to listen to the previous episode <laughs> to get this. Seriously, no, it sounds think, cheesy. It's not. Think more about the most beautiful place on earth you've ever imagined, and that's more like what what yes. what you ought to picture. But but let me say this: yes, and 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 indie ears say this as well. They realize that God does not send anybody. They chose this. And it's one of the most grievous things. Like, I deserve this because that is what I wanted. Now, yeah. some, you know, in this in between place, they still have a free will and some come to their senses, you know, and they cry out for God to save them. And in his mercy, he does. And that's the thing. That's, that's exactly, you know, what we've given our lives to is helping people know, now, you know, God, God is so loving and so forgiving and so merciful. What he did through Jesus is remove every barrier between every person and, and himself except one, our pride. If in our pride, we want to say, I don't need you, you know, yeah. I rule, I will rule. Don't, don't mess with my life. It breaks his heart because he created you for love and, and what you long for, you'll one day realize is him, but he gives you what yeah. you want. I think there's a deluding influence on our world. I don't think, I know there is. The scripture says that very, very clearly. Ephesians talk about the spear of the principalities that are right here and rulers and principalities that are here in this earth talking about evil, demonic ones. So I think that we don't think about heaven much because we're distracted to not think about it. 
to only think about the here and now so we don't think about God and his purposes. And I think the second reason why we don't is I just think we've got a bad image of heaven. I like how you push back on just the oh, phrase totally. pearly gates without it, without it imagine. Like, you know, I've been in church service. They say, well, to get everybody to sing, they say, <laughs> they say this. I heard this over. Well, you know, if you don't like singing here in church, then you're not going to like heaven because it's all we do is sing. And I used and to think, it, oh my gosh, like that sounds that would be horrible, horrible to me. Num- <laughs> and we're right, pastors. Num- like a right, it does worship sound service sounds horrible. And not only that, I just double checked this morning. There's no verses in the Bible that say that angels sing. People can sing, but angels, like, that's not their thing. They didn't sing to Mary and Joseph uh, on the uh, on his birth. They said, they said what they said, and then we can sing. So I think singing is a big deal. I'm not saying there isn't worship in heaven. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. But thinking, like, the things I like to do now, I get to do then, except it's better. And, and you can't think anything on this earth I mean, let's, what, what do you love to do? Whatever you love to do, if you start to think about doing it forever, you think, nah. yeah, right? Anything. Yeah. And, and so part of what you have to realize is we, we are bound by time and we're in a, a decaying world for a reason. So that, so that isn't what we put our hopes on and what we hold on to. And when you start to realize what is ahead, it does change the way you live. You do live aggressive. You live aggressive for the right things. You live aggressive for things that matter and things that are going to last. And you quit, you know, like just thinking stupid, right? Because sometimes, sometimes we do. We think stupid. We think, you know, well, what, what do I want to do right now just to feel good? And then we, we, we do damage to the people around us or we do damage to ourselves and we're not willing to, you know, man up and sacrifice or be courageous, you know, for, for the good of others. And those are all the things that count. Those are all the things that actually are, are not only last, but are rewarded. That's good. Let's get a few more questions here, John. Uh, how about this one? Do you believe in purgatory? Why or why not? No, I don't. Um, I don't because I don't think the Bible teaches that mainly. And by the way, um, I would not recommend anybody forming their view of heaven from near-death experiences alone. That can really deceive you. It really can. Because every single person is interpreting a truly five-dimensional, six-dimensional experience in three-dimensional words. It's And and so they're, they're grasping. I've interviewed enough of these people that... They're trying to come up with words that make sense, but they, many times they're just like, I, I don't know how to explain it. You know, well, especially when these people are talking about light, and the Bible says that Satan is an angel of light. So there's got to be some people who think that they're getting close to God, but no, they're getting close to an angel of light. There's got to be some there. Or well, he can disguise right? himself as an angel. Of yeah. Light. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And anyway, keep going. And, well, and that's why you know I do think you've got to judge these experiences by, by what the scripture says, but I got off. What was the original Uh, question? Why don't you? Oh, purgatory. Yeah. Well, um, so biblically, I, I, I don't think that's, um, in the Bible. I have there, you know, there have, I'll be honest, there have been hellish experiences. I mean, I've, I've interviewed Hindus who described the hell of the Bible and the throne of God and the 12 gates of the city and a narrow gate right by Jesus. And he come, he comes back and comes to faith in Jesus. So I've had him explain all of that. I have not had people, you know, see or experience purgatory per se. Now I will say this, there have been some where it, they weren't initially in either a clearly hellish place or clearly heavenly place. It was like a void. Hmm. So some indie ears do talk about that. And um, I recently talked to someone who started, who actually gave me a little bit of a clue, maybe of what it is, because Jesus is there with him and, um, and, and, and says, you haven't died yet. 
you can choose to go on with us to heaven, um, but you're not, you're not there yet. We came out to meet you. So what's that? I, I don't know. You know, here's, here's the thing I like to think about. You know, we think our world is big, right? Well, the world to come is vast, way beyond our world. So what people are experiencing, even in these NDEs, I look at it more like if you, if you took 10 people and plopped them down in different places all over the United States, you know, or say 10 aliens, and they landed in 10 different places around the United States, and they all came up after, uh, you know, a day, and they shared, well, what's Earth like? Right? That's great. I mean, yeah. one, one would say, well, it's a dark tunnel that leads to a light because they, they started in a subway in New York City. The other would say, no, I was in New York City. And it's this beautiful garden paradise because they were in, you know, the park in downtown. And someone else would say, no, no, Earth's a desert because they landed in, you know, in Utah. Um, no, Earth That's is great. beautiful mountains. So anyway, you get, That's you get the point. That's awesome. I do. Okay, we just got a couple more. You're doing great here, John. Yeah, I'm so glad. Thankful we're doing this. I'm, I'm learning a lot, and I love how you're not saying people's personal NDE experience is the ultimate source of truth. I love how you're saying, hey, it's something we can interpret through the scriptures, and we just don't know everything. But man, it's fascinating. This is this is great. Thank you. Well, and what I was trying to do in Imagine Heaven is show the commonality. So. There are a lot of outliers that I just kind of like, well, I don't know. But the commonalities and how they align with scriptures are amazing. I think if anything, it should, it should point you to the validation of Jesus and what, what God's been revealing in the scriptures and start there, you know? Yep. All right. How about this? Um, did you talk with anybody, any NDEers who, had committed suicide. One question is, do people who commit suicide automatically go to hell? I have uh, multiple ones. And so let me, let me say first, no, but then let me, let me make a caveat. Remember. No, no, you don't automatically go to hell if you commit suicide. Well, but remember whatever these people are tasting, they're, they're on their way somewhere, but they're, they have not crossed over. They came back. Okay. And again, it's yep. a very important interpretive key or you get it really wrong because there are some people who were Christians and God gave them both a taste of heaven and a taste of hell. And they were like, why are you making me see this? And then they realized that he wanted them to see the reality of both because when they came back, they had a mission to tell people of the reality of both. Hmm. So just because you experience something in an NDE does not mean that's your eternal destiny, right? And, and, yeah. and so that's a very important thing. Like I said, three of my pastor friends all had hellish NDEs and came back and turned their lives to God, right? So one was a cocaine addict, another was an alcoholic, and the other was a living for himself atheist. So it's not determinate um, what you experience in an, in an NDE. Here's the thing. You know, God, God knows everything about us, including where we started from, the progress we've made, the things that are affecting us, and he has compassion. He cares. So there are some people who have committed suicide, and he... You know, th there were, there were factors and things that, you know, and, and so he met them in it and they came back. Now, let me, let me say this. Every suicide I've talked to came back and said, what a mistake it was. Because what they realized is their problems here follow them. Hmm. Think about it. We are spiritual creatures. We, we, we have a soul and a spirit and, and we're living through our bodies and they're united. Just like you said, it's not that the body's all bad and we're, you know, we're good. It's not that, but, um, the, the things that you're struggling with here, you can struggle with there. And so that's not the solution. It's not the solution. And they all come back knowing that now some do have, have initially hellish, um, 
experiences. I, I, I talked to a Buddhist who, um, a Buddhist guy who, uh, basically he, he, he slit his stomach open, uh, and slit his wrist should not have lived. By the way, he did a death bowl. Um, so he grew up Buddhist and he, he was in, he came from Korea, was in college, uh, in California, got into drugs did a de- you know what a death bowl is where it's laced no. with PCP and meth and it's it's pot but it's laced with everything and he wasn't mm. sleeping for like ten days um, on the on the eighth ninth day this Buddha figure starts materializing to him and this is the same Buddha figure he used to have dreams about um, when he was when he was younger. And so he thinks this is, this is God. This is the right thing, right? And he says, give me your life and, and, and I will, I will give you eternity. And so basically he's going crazy because he's 10 days without sleep. So he, he cuts himself and then on the other side realizes that this Buddha figure deceived him. This was a demonic spirit. He's, he's experiencing a hellish experience, just like Jesus talked about, like we talked about last time. But his mother had met a Christian friend. When she finds out he had tried to commit suicide, calls 911, calls her. They come to the hospital with people from their church. They're surrounding him, praying for him. Jesus rescues him from that. He comes back. The first thing they say is, you want to give your life to Christ? And he's like, absolutely. Hmm. And he's a pastor today. Oh, wow. So sometimes God knows, I think, in these NDEs that, that we kind of need the hell scared out of us. Other times he knows that, that we were, you know, so wounded and so uh, deceived that what we really need is his love and his healing. And he meets people where they're at. So what happens to anybody after full biological death, NDEs can't answer. They can't answer yeah. that question. You, uh, you cannot answer the question, what happens after full biological death? All these people came back. Very important. But Jesus can answer it. And that's why I'd say go to him. You know, he's yeah. the only one who really knows fully. Well, yeah, that's one. Uh, this could be our last question. Maybe I'll do a PS, but uh, this is one of the questions. Uh, how can I be sure if I'll go to heaven or hell? I often worry about that. Well, yeah, then that's the ultimate question. And God absolutely doesn't want you worried about it. He wants you confident of it. And the very reason that he sent Jesus God foretold what he was going to do through Jesus to prove that he is real. And he, and, and all that is historically validated. We know it was written down before, before it was foretold because we found copies of 38 of the 39 books of the Old Testament in the Dead Sea Scrolls predating Jesus' life. We have proof of it. With prophecies that were exactly what happened with him. Like, where is he going to be born? Where is he going to live? Where is he going to teach? How is he going to die? How is he going to be betrayed? I mean, you know, on and on and on. And I mean, there's much more. There's much more than that. But here's my point. He's real. And he foretold in the book of Isaiah why he was coming. And it was that God in his love never intended us to be separated from him. Ever. But we are living in the knowledge of good and evil. And all of us have at one point or another chosen to turn away from God and, and say, I don't know if you know what's going on. I think I know better what's good for me in my life. And in big ways or in little ways, we've all done that. And, and yet the solution is not for us to prove we're good enough for God. The solution is we'll never be what God intended us to be apart from relationship with God because God made us for relationship. So that's why he sent Jesus to pay for our sins. And you've probably heard that. But, but the point is that God is just. So he made a way 
to not just wink at all the evils and horrible things done. He paid the price himself. So that all you have to do is say, God, I want your forgiveness. I, I want your forgiveness. I want your love and your leadership. Which comes through Jesus. And that comes, comes through, through Jesus. Jesus. Well, it only comes because of what Jesus did. Yes. Yeah. If you tell him that in your heart, that's all he needs. That, that is absolutely all he needs. And he not only forgives you past, present, and future, because, you know, when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, he was looking ahead. And so he already knows the, the, the things you haven't even done wrong. Now, the point of all that is not so we would keep doing wrong, but so that we would walk with God in relationship to grow up spiritually into the people he wants us to be. Yeah, but this is interesting. Just my last statement, and then you can kind of close this out. You've been very generous your time, John. This is great. It it really, it's interesting to me that people are so interested in heaven and yet not interested in the Bible or Jesus because it is the Bible that we know about heaven. Other religions know nothing about heaven. You You keep getting reincarnated, coming back to a higher life form, or or there's nirvana, whatever that is, or brass ring, or no, it's just this life is all there is. That's a lot of spiritualities in heavens. And we're drawn to this, and all these NDEs talk about heaven, but heaven is the concept that comes to us in the Bible, the same place that says God is love. That's where it is. It's in the Bible. Any spirituality or any worldview that says God is love is stealing from the Bible because it was first and only in the Bible. And it's in the scriptures where we see what heaven is, what love is, and that Jesus is the center point of it. And I think it's just interesting with your NDEs, um, those same themes keep coming up again and again. Well, and what's fascinating in this in this new book I'm writing right now, Imagine God, I'm, I am interviewing Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, people all over the globe, and they're not experiencing the God of their religion or the expectation of their religion. They're experiencing the God of the Bible. This same God of light and love revealed himself before any world religion was established. Mm. Good call. Yeah. And so yeah. We, we get all, you know, well, which, which religion is the right religion? It's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. Is there a God? Has he revealed himself? And is he still? And the answer is absolutely. And more importantly, you know, he doesn't just love North American Christians. He loves every Buddhist, every Muslim, every Hindu, every person on the planet. And, you know, he's with them and he's made a way for, for us to turn our hearts back to God and be forgiven and he wants everyone to know what he's done through Jesus so that we can have confidence and so that we'll know how to walk with God in, in that love. John, is there any questions that we didn't ask you or that people haven't sent in to us? Any questions you're going, oh man, someone should be asking this question. Gosh, I mean, there, there are tons, but... I'm just basically giving like a softball for you yeah. to say whatever. Any, any, any final thing you want to say well, or talk to that we haven't spoken you know, to? We, well, this time we didn't talk about the life review. The life review is a commonality of NDEs. And people often ask me, well, is that judgment? You know, and, 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 and what's judgment? And why do NDEers in the presence of God, seeing their good and their bad say, God wasn't judging me. He was loving me. I was judging myself. And, and doesn't that, doesn't that prove that there is no judgment? So those are, that's a, those are questions I often get. Interesting. And again, it's a misunderstanding of the Bible, but it's all right there. So first of all, you know, Jesus, this, this life review is not the judgment when you talk about that, like in the book of Revelation. Um, there are actually two what you would call judgments in the book of Revelation. One is called the great white throne judgment, which is simply the question what did you do with the, with the life I gave you? And did you recognize your need for God? Just what we just talked about. Did you ever give your heart back to God, you know, in love and ask for his for forgiveness through Christ? Did you, did you recognize that need? Everyone who recognizes that need, it says their, their name is in the book of life and it will never be erased. They are God's children. They're with him forever. The second judgment is called the Bema seat. 
And it's actually more like a reward ceremony. The, be- mm-hmm. the Bema seat was the old day Olympics where they would get their rewards for, for a race well run. And, and so God is actually not looking to punish us, but God is looking to reward us for the way we lived our life. And so both those judgments come after all of human history is done. So this life review is neither of those. It's just simply what Jesus said when he said every motive, every thought, every deed will be revealed. And he also said, by your own words, will you be acquitted? By your own words, will you be condemned? So when indie ears say, I was judging myself, well, that's exactly what Jesus said. You will know the truth. And here we can hide from the truth and we can play games and justify ourselves. What's crazy is there, you don't, you know, and, and, and you don't play games. And God loves us, but that's always true. No matter what, he loves us. So the thing the life review, and this is what I'll, what I'll end with, is the thing the life review shows us is just what Jesus said. And people around the globe come back with, with clarity on this, that God is love. And what he cares most about is how we treat one another, how we love one another, how we serve one another, and that the living out of your purpose on earth is not figuring out how you can do some big thing and get on the cover of Time magazine or be famous or be rich. They all come back and they're clear. That means nothing to God. Right. right. And, and, and there it means nothing to them. They realize it means nothing, but the, the little simple acts are what really matter most. And in fact, I don't remember if we talked about this last week, but do you, you know Steve Shogren? Of course I do. Yes. So he was an NDE that I write about in, in Imagine Heaven. Did you know oh, that? I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that. And in God's presence. So, so here's a guy who's built a church like Brian has, like I have, you know, this, you know, great church, reaching lots of people, doing tons of good. Okay. This was a, this was a, ooh, aha for me. And in God's presence, Steve said, he's, he's watching himself being operated on. He's in the operating room. The Lord is there with him. He's feeling all those same things of incredible love and acceptance and, you know, just like never wants to leave his presence. He said, but at the same time, the Lord was kind of taking me to the woodshed. Hmm. He said, he asked me a question. He said, Steve, what are the names of your children's best friends? And Steve said, They'd been over to the house all the time. I was, I was nice to them, but I didn't even know their names because I was so busy doing the important things for God. Mm, yeah. And what the Lord was saying is, no, if you miss the people that I put around you in your life, you're missing the point of your existence. So you can, you can use your gifts to do a lot of big things to serve people. That's good. That's not bad. Yeah. That's part of our purpose. But Jesus made it really clear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second is equal to it. Love your neighbor, whoever's near you, right? As much as you love yourself. And you fulfill all the commands of Scripture. So that's what people come back with in their life review. Pretty, pretty profound. Guilty. Guilty. Well, hey, John, uh, this is the most informative and invigorating discussion I've ever had on heaven. And I've had a lot of them. And it is the most informative and invigorating because you're just a good dude who's done more research than anybody I, I know and is just as rooted as anybody I know. So, man, thank you so much for building into us the way you have. It's been amazing. And I think the final thought for us as uh, people in the aggressive life is, John talked about the Bama seat, that place where there are unique rewards. I think one of the reasons why we're as passive as we are is we're afraid of losing. I think one of the reasons why we don't do more aggressive and bold things is because we don't have a big enough of a vision. I think what John's done is he's expanded our mind, expanded our vision right now on what it means to play for eternity and what eternity looks like. So live your life with that in mind. Don't live not to lose. Don't live to be the one who has the most toys because they win. No, live your life for the one who's made you 
and cares about you and loves you and has a future for you. And that future, I think, is going to be greater and more vast and hopefully more rewards for you than you can possibly imagine. John, where can we find? Yeah, I think we talked about this last time. Just again, Imagine Heaven is your book. You got a new one coming up. Any other place you want to point us to? Uh, ImagineHeaven.net has other resources. Um, you can also go to whatsafterlife.com and you can see some of the, the short videos of, of, uh, of some of these people as well. Great stuff, my friend. All right. Hey, we'll see you next time on The Aggressive Life. Hey, thanks for listening. For all things aggressive living, why don't you head over to bryantome.com find my new book, Move, a guide to get up and go forward, as well as articles and much, much more. And no matter where you listen to podcasts, why don't you take a second and leave us a rating, leave us a review. It really, really helps us drive new listeners to the show. We want to help as many people as possible, just like we may have helped you. We want to help others. So why don't you help us out? And if you want to connect, find me on Instagram at Brian Tome. Aggressive Life with Brian Tome is a production of Crossroads Church, Cincinnati, Ohio.